everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. Today, we're looking at Holy Spirit, spirit, person, or both. Hey, hey you, yeah, you, come here. I've got a question for you. How do people see Christ in you? Maybe you're humble, gentle, peaceable, patient, and understanding. Am I describing you? Well, here's a newsflash. People are watching our lives to see if they can witness the changes that we profess have occurred. And God has called us to him as his ambassadors. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we find Paul telling us that we are Christ's ambassadors and God is speaking, using us to speak to you. And we urge you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Wow. What an awesome and humbling mission to be given by none other than our creator himself. As believers, we're called forth to spread Christ's message and to help to reconcile the world. We're called to bring forth revival. Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 to say, Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. We are all one body, we have the same spirit, and have all been called to the same glorious future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and there's only one God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. This is a verse to help us remember what is unifying us rather than dividing us as a group of believers. Do you appreciate the differences in others? Do you celebrate different viewpoints, learning to embrace and adopt them into your life? Well, Paul points out how small differences in doctrine can separate people. When believers unify around the spirit, petty differences tend to dissolve and dissipate. Paul says believers are one in body, spirit, hope, Lord, faith, baptism, and best of all, God. So let's look at these individually and again as a collective group. Believers are one in body. This means that believers fellowship through the church. It's the spirit that activates the fellowship. And as believers, we're hope-filled for the glorious future that lays ahead for us. We're all one in the Lord. We're God's righteousness through Christ Jesus. Our singular focus and commitment to Christ allows for faith in the right object. Our baptism is an open profession of whom we've placed our faith in. And finally, we're all one in God. He is our Father for eternity. As we grow in our faith, it becomes easier to see how differences in the body of Christ complement our faith. It's a sure bet that no one will ever be perfect on earth again until Christ returns. In spite of weaknesses in others, will you commit to praying for them in lieu of dwelling on their perceived weaknesses? What if you spent some time together? Do you think it might change your perception of that person? We're really not all that different from one another. We can learn from each other and share our experiences together, taking our lives up to a higher level. 
The Holy Spirit is our guide and leader. We must yield to him to allow for unity. It's paramount to have a spirit of peace residing within our hearts so that we may be led. Our focus also needs to be on things of God and not of ourselves. God is overall. This means he's transcendent. He is in us all and living through us all. And this means is active in and through us in the world and in believers. It's his eminence. John chapter three, verse six distinguishes between physical and spiritual birth. Scripture says this, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. Jesus was explaining that people don't enter the kingdom of God simply by being good people. They needed to be spiritually reborn. And the book of Acts was written by a Gentile physician named Luke, who was an apostle. This book records the 30 years after Jesus was taken up into heaven. And the church was established in Jerusalem, and the gospel known as the Good News was taken throughout the world, even to the capital of the Roman Empire. And we learn in Acts chapter 1 verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was a promise made by Jesus. And Luke tells us that the disciples were witnesses to Jesus' death burial, and resurrection. When he was killed, they were scared and they scattered, fearing for their lives. But God was gracious and knew what they needed, giving them many more opportunities to see Jesus resurrected and fully alive. In other words, they were eyewitnesses to these key accounts. After this, the disciples became fearless, forging ahead to spread the gospel. They would become risk takers. We too can have confidence in their testimony about Jesus. 20 centuries ago, when Jesus came to earth, the kingdom of God was initiated. When he was resurrected, his kingdom remained in all believers' hearts. And the final kingdom will be fully realized upon Jesus' return to put an end to evil in the world, giving us a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus had to leave the disciples for the good news to be spread further. He was on earth as a God-man, but this limited how far and wide he could cast his net. The Trinity would provide the solution. This was the unique relationship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what was the role of the Holy Spirit in the early church? The Holy Spirit was and is the power behind the early church, and in all churches today, no growth could have occurred without him. The Holy Spirit is both a spirit and a person. He was whom Jesus promised the disciples that the Father would send. His role was counselor and guide. He would lead the way for the disciples. His work immediately showed the early church that he was supernatural. Their consciousness would shift from problems to solutions as they focused on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in this very same spirit today that enables us to be Christians Without it, you aren't a Christian. The Holy Spirit is the how behind us joining with Christ. Scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we'll share his treasures. For everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Here in Romans, Paul illustrates this point, telling believers that they're adopted children with God. In Rome, at the time the person who was adopted, they lost all their rights to the old family, but they did gain all the rights within the new family. And similarly, when a person becomes a Christian, they also gain all rights, privileges, and responsibilities of a child in God's family. A child of God gains the Holy Spirit, who takes on the task of leading their life if they will allow it. This is a supernatural gifting from God. This inward presence reminds believers of who they belong to, and we're shown God's depth of love for us. As God's children, no matter if you're five years old or 105 years old, we have rescue instead of ruin, righteousness replacing our former sin, eternal life that began the minute we accepted the free gift of salvation instead of the death we all deserved. Best of all, we have a relationship with God rather than separation from him. He gives us deliverance because we're obedient to him. And finally, God offers us kindness, which is in his economy means grace and mercy. We were saved from the Old Testament law he had enacted to show us just how wide the gap between his perfection and our mere attempts at following it were. The law acted as our tutor or our guide. And while we're grateful for the law, Jesus' way provides us with the tools to be triumphant in this life. It's not possible to be in the body of Christ except within the baptism of the Spirit. Once again, in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul tells us, And because you Gentiles have become his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, and now you can call God your dear Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, everything he has belongs to you. Again, this is saying that as believers, we share in Jesus's inheritance. That means all of his resources too. As heirs in Christ, we have a right to lay claim to this truth. To live as Jesus did may mean sacrifice at times, giving up one's rights as we resist the pressures of conforming to this world. None of our suffering will ever compare, though, to the price that Jesus paid to save us. This was and is a gift that can never be repaid. Yet we're able to show honor toward this gift through yielding to the Holy Spirit. In life, there are said to be no guarantees other than that of death perhaps taxes. But perhaps you have made a purchase and have been assured that the item did indeed carry a money-back guarantee. When you went to attempt and collect on the guarantee, you might have found out that the company you made the purchase from had gone out of business or maybe just didn't even honor the guarantee. We've all heard of scenarios like the one just described, but luckily for both you and 
for me, there is one guarantee in life that trumps that of death, which we can stand upon. And that is God's gift of the Holy Spirit to us. While we cannot see the Spirit or the person of the Holy Spirit by faith, we know that He has taken up residence within our hearts. He acts as God's earnest deposit in our lives. When we allow the Holy Spirit to lead, our faith is demonstrated. We execute our Christian walk under His authority and leadership. We prove we belong to the kingdom of God as His children and heirs for eternity. The transformation in our lives begins immediately. We take personal responsibility. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. God's will is that our minds will be transformed. This process starts with the Holy Spirit as mentioned previously. It's the Spirit who accomplishes this within us. It's His job to transform us, utilizing His power, we yield and change. This change and transformation is necessary so God can use us for His kingdom glory. On our own, we don't possess the qualities needed to fulfill God's perfect plans that are good and pleasing to Him. We must live to honor and obey our Father in heaven. Only then will we become usable. Since the inception of creation, God has only desired what is best for his creation. As our creator, recognizing the tremendous gift God gave to humanity, his son, we should joyfully give ourselves for him. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. When we conform and copy the world's ways, we open ourselves up to unnecessary risk and exposure. As Christians, we can live a life above reproach in ethical ways where our businesses flourish when Christ is the foundation. His word says he is our chief cornerstone. We're told not to be selfish. As a matter of fact, we're to be selfless placing other people's interests ahead of our own needs. God wasn't advocating becoming a doormat. He was providing a better way to fulfillment. When we get out of the ways of ourselves, we bloom and shine brightly for all to see, enhancing our witness and testimony for Jesus Christ within our world. We absolutely need the Holy Spirit to transform our minds. Even if we do not quote unquote follow the world's ways, we can be stuck in a pattern or a mindset where we're proud, covetedness, arrogant, rude, selfish, and are stubborn. Hmm. Ever known anyone like this? Maybe even me or you. Now I'm poking a little bit here because we need to examine ourselves with truth. We can't always listen to messages based upon dessert, although that would be great, and skip out on the healthy foods, right? Right. 
But little by little, the Holy Spirit does chip away at our negative qualities and helps us to replace them with qualities of valor by renewing, re-educating, and redirecting our minds. If you're wondering why it's important whether or not our mind is renewed, just remember, it's not about your happiness or my happiness. It's about our ability to fulfill God's purposes within our very existence. Remember, he breathed life into me and into you. So did you know that the Holy Spirit will step in and intercede to Jesus directly on our behalf? Yep, that's right. In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, it says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. God knew there would be times in life where it all feels as if it were too much for us to be left on our own. It is here in these very trying circumstances where the Holy Spirit steps in with the right words to pray for our needs. He prays both with us and for us. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says this, For where two or three are gathered together because they are mine, I am there among them. So Jesus is able to be present with us in times of prayer because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're a majority when we pray and operate in this power and under the authority of the Holy Spirit. We're more powerful when we pray in agreement than football fields full of people superficially agreeing. The word promises that two or three spirit-filled believers who pray for God's will will be granted and will see it come to pass. So we have nothing to fear when we approach the throne room of God in this way. The book of Ephesians instructs us that we have heard the truth, the good news that God saves us. And when we believed in Christ, he identified us as his own by giving us the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So friends, I hope this message has encouraged you today. Stay with me this week to learn more about the Spirit of the Lord and how He is still relevant for your life. Even today, there's much more to discuss. We'll be delving into some of the Holy Spirit teachings, specifically around wisdom and understanding, knowledge and fear of the Lord, and in what areas the Holy Spirit brings believers abundance and the ability to thrive. And then we'll look at just how the Spirit of the Lord carries out God's Word as His Master Counselor. So join me as we unpack these and many more topics over the next few days. And stay tuned for a very special guest who will be joining us in on the conversation soon. And as always, friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily. 
so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church where you can surround yourself with other believers. Let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made in your lifetime today. Congratulations. Amen. As you go out into the world, remember the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen.